It's a topic that sci-fi creators and fans have been fascinated with for decades. And to most people, the idea that human strength and ability could be enhanced by machines remains in the realm of fantasy. But as we'll soon find out in this episode of DHL's Logistics Trend Radar podcast, a symbiosis between humans and technology is already improving our daily lives at work and at home. More strength, added intelligence, and better speed. These are the superpowers delivered by Bionic Enhancement. We'll start with a bit of a reality check for any of us who think Bionic Enhancement is some far-off idea that we're not likely to see made real in our lifetimes. Speaking to Ben Gasing, a global innovation leader at DHL and the co-author of The Trend Report, he makes it clear that millions of people already use Bionic Enhancement. You know, if you think about just like in our personal lives, computers have gone from being in a room to on our desk to on our laps to in our hands. And, and, you know, and if you look at smartwatches and things like that, you know, on our bodies. That's right. Your smartwatch and smartphones are bionic enhancement devices, tiny machines helping you live your everyday life in a more efficient way. For a clearer definition, we spoke to DHL's innovation leader, Tanja Grauf. Bionic enhancement actually sounds fancy and sounds like something from science fiction movies probably, but what we actually mean by that is technology that is worn close to the human body, basically, that augments human capabilities. So any kind of wearable tech that supports humans during their daily work, enhancing their capabilities, basically. When I think of bionic enhancement, it's not so much exciting as it is scary. You know, you see these movies where someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator has got all this bionic enhancement. How how do you guys use that at DHL? Yes, it sounds like something from science fiction movies or from Iron Man. We are aware of this technology, but there's definitely also applications for it in the logistics industry. Perhaps the least subtle concept in bionic enhancement is the exoskeleton a motorized metal frame inside of which stands an operator who, thanks to the exoskeleton's connection to their arms and legs, can lift and carry impossibly heavy objects. But despite trending on the logistics radar in 2021, this idea isn't new. In fact, the exoskeleton is over half a century old, meaning it's more 1970s $6 million man than 22nd century Iron Man. Tanya explains. Or one of the first exoskeletons ever developed was actually the Hardyman back in the 1960s. And it was weighing a multitude of what a human being is actually weighing. So very non-comfortable to wear, very bulky, very big, not necessarily supporting the human being in that sense. But the idea was already around. And since then, a lot of development has happened. And in the early 2000s, we have seen exoskeletons appear in the healthcare sector for rehabilitation, for example, but also in the military, both sectors where a lot of money sits. And since then, the technology has advanced, it has developed, it has become cheaper. Exoskeletons have become more comfortable to wear, more lightweight. And since around 10 years, we also see exoskeletons come out for the industrial use. I am getting in my mind a picture of like Iron Man in his suit or even that machine that Sigourney Weaver climbs into in the Alien movies. 
Is that what it looks like? What does it actually look like? Yeah, so it doesn't quite look as fancy as this or as big and bulky as this. Basically, you could probably imagine it being like a, a backpack that you put on. So there's usually somehow a back component to it. And then you have a hip strap, for example, to keep the weight off your shoulders. Some are built like a vest that you put on, like a you could imagine like a swimming vest or something. And then you have straps that go around your thighs to basically then also offload some of the weight from your lower back onto your thighs. So that's how you could probably picture it. So they may not quite be straight out of your favorite sci-fi show, but as Ben tells us, exoskeletons are already in use in factories across the world. A lot of the products and things that we use every day are actually built by people who are using exoskeletons. There's a lot of things for like overhead work. If you picture people working under the carriage of a car, automotive assembly lines, places where people maybe need to sit and they, they don't have a chair, there's exoskeletons for lower body support. And then I think what Tanya and I got probably most excited about for logistics was like exoskeletons for lower back support. As you can imagine, lifting a few kilos once is no big deal. But if you have to do this, you know, hundreds of thousands of times a day, right, that's all going onto one back. So we were quite excited over the past year or so looking into this to see the potential of really how we can empower people working in the supply chain to sort of be healthier, be stronger, and ultimately give them superpowers. So you've answered some of this already, Ben, but what are the use cases and where do you see the applicability of exoskeletons in logistics in particular? There's probably two that I think are really interesting. And one, something that we use every day, tires. You know, we really take for granted how our tires get to us, how we use them. As in tires for cars or tractors or trucks, that kind of tire. Tires on the cars that, you know, many of us drive every day. Tractors are um, a whole nother ballgame, but the mass volume is really with cars. They're big and bulky. They're not big enough to really go on a pallet, but they're, you know, not as small as like a parcel something you can easily handle. Imagine having to unload an entire trailer full of tires. There's a lot of bending over, picking up, putting them on racks, putting them on shelves. They're greasy. They smell. So it's hard to put a label on them. And to date, there's very little automation for tires. So that's one area where we really see a lot of benefit. If I may add to that as well, I think in general, wherever people are frequently lifting or putting down loads from five to 10 kilos upwards, that's where exoskeletons become useful in really supporting and preventing also from back injuries. Because you have to imagine um, you're doing this for an eight-hour shift, basically putting items from 10, 15 kilos onto a pallet, or you unload them from a truck onto a conveyor belt. And that's yeah, very frequent lifting of relatively heavy loads. So I'm now thinking, if this thing does give you almost superpowers in terms of lifting, what are the maximum weights that someone could lift with this exoskeleton? That's actually a quite interesting question. There's different kinds of exoskeletons also out there. There's passive exoskeletons as well as active exoskeletons, with the active ones really being motorized and supporting heavier loads, let's say, than the passive systems, which basically capture some of your movements as energy and then release them once this energy is needed to lift something up. 
So I think in general, it's important to understand that what we're trying to do here is not really give people the ability to lift something that they would never be able to lift without an exoskeleton, but rather support them in the work that they are doing and really preventing them from injuries. So it's not about enabling people to lift 80 kilos in the end, but rather keeping them safe while they are lifting, let's say, 20, 25 kilos. If your job involved research into exoskeletons and how best to use them in your industry, I'm pretty sure you'd want to test one out. Well, Ben and Tanya are no different, and they both got a test drive in one. Tanya definitely takes the cake. She spent days in some of these. I was a skeptic for a long time on this topic because we've sort of seen it on the fringes of possibility for a while. But the first time I put one of these on, it really made me a believer. We tried on this active exoskeleton. I sort of picked something up and it mechatronically helped pull my back up. And I laughed. Amazing. That was cool. It really converted me. Tanya, tell us how it felt for you. Definitely uh, similarly exciting. I mean, for me, I maybe have to say I'm not the tallest, strongest person that you probably have ever met. So I tried lifting up, uh, for example, a box of around 20 kilos before wearing the exoskeleton. And I was hardly able to lift it off the ground. And then I put on the exoskeleton and it was really effortlessly to lift this up. And yeah, if I imagine now working in an eight hour shift, basically lifting up boxes from 10 to 20 to 25 kilos, I would probably be tired already after half an hour. And with the exoskeleton, I'm pretty sure I could probably survive one of those shifts without struggling too much, actually. So that was quite impressive. While an exoskeleton's ability to endow its operator with superpowers may make it one of the most intriguing examples of bionic enhancement, it's by no means the only example. Actually, there's a multitude of exciting things out there already. Using augmented reality glasses, for example, to give you seamless information. That's basically a heads-up display. And what we already see out there is actually going from glasses to even contact lenses, so becoming even more integrated into your body. It's not something that we're using yet, but I think that's very interesting to see where it goes and how fast the development is in this space. And as Ben explains, the development of these new technologies is a perfect match for some workers in logistics, but it's also applicable to a range of jobs that need to be done, especially in COVID times. When people go to work, in a warehouse or an air freight hub, you know, they don't have a desk, but they need access to information, to apps, to do their job increasingly. And so what do you do for the deskless worker in the operation? And there we see that the cost of smart glasses, the robustness of data and connectivity are sort of moving in a positive direction to enable that. And we've seen really exciting things, you know, in the last year with COVID, people can't be on site. So, you know, we've been able to when I say we, I really mean Tanya, connect people with smart glasses, do a see what I see video call to an expert somewhere else in the world and do everything from audit construction builds, processes, or even help prepare airports for natural disasters. The world of bionic enhancement is still in its infancy but it's already a fascinating subject that has immense promise. From knowledge on demand to augmented reality and superhuman strength, 
Bionic enhancement is starting to look very much like a technology that will be powering our future, literally and figuratively. This has been another episode of the DHL Logistics Trend Radar podcast. In our next episode, we dive deeper into a concept that has been fast-tracked by global connectivity and a global pandemic. Servitization is how businesses of the future will gain a competitive edge. The Logistics Trend Radar podcast is presented by me, Gareth Cliff, written, recorded, and produced by Spike Ballantyne, and is a product of DHL in association with Cliff Central in Johannesburg, South Africa.